Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Well, hello, brothers and sisters in Christ, the remnant, you troublemakers for the kingdom of God, truth proclaimers and defenders. We were just talking before we got on the air this morning about how the remnant seems to be growing slowly, but those who are in the remnant are strong. And we want to continue to encourage one another and to strengthen each other's faith and uh, let's let's do that daily. What do you think? Um, before we get into the business today, um, and actually we've got this topic is very important today, transhumanism and the rise of artificial intelligence. How do we grasp this? How do we look at this from a biblical perspective and understand, first of all, the evil heart of mankind, but also where is this going? So we're going to talk with Pastor Kevin Minsky in a minute. I do want to mention Thursday night, Oshkosh, Wisconsin at Calvary Sunrise Church. They will be playing the film 2,000 Mules, the documentary by Dinesh D'Souza. It's free. Concessions will be available, and uh, it's 6 o'clock, doors open, 6.30. Calvary Sunrise Church in Oshkosh, 2,000 Mules, this Thursday night. And I might as well mention uh, next month, July 14, I believe is the date, I will be speaking there, uh, doing a presentation um, on at Calvary Sunrise Church. That's uh, the Thursday, yeah, Thursday night. On July 14th. So mark that down if you're in the area locally, and I'll, I'll mention a little bit more about it maybe as we get closer. Um, also want to encourage you, Harbingers Daily is a friend of this podcast. And personally, they've been such a blessing to me. <laughs> they seriously vet the ministries that they are involved with and the, the ministries that they uh, promote on their website, harbingersdaily.com. Um, I went through the ringer with them. Okay, maybe not. That much. But yeah, so they did, uh, amazing due diligence and they do that all the time. Also, Pastor Kevin Minsky, Christ the Rock Community Church in Deep Here, Wisconsin is listed in their online, uh, services, online churches for listening if you don't live in the area. Um, anyway, so let's get to, uh, our guest today and uh, I want to introduce Pastor Kevin to you again. He's been on the podcast before. It's great to have him in studio and then I will ask him to open in prayer. But he's the pastor of Christ the Rock Community Church in De Pere, Wisconsin. It is an independent, meaning unaffiliated with any other local, regional, national church with a similar name. It's a non-denominational Christian church near Green Bay, Wisconsin. He believes strongly in equipping the saints, in part by verse by verse, teaching through the Bible. He stresses the importance of addressing Bible prophecy. Um, many of you were attracted to the church locally here because he went through the book of Revelation and uh, brought out amazing insights uh, last year. Um, also, he, he's just really up to speed when it comes to worldview issues, how we see as biblical Christians the culture and the world and globalism and all that's happening through the lens of Scripture. And he's not afraid to address the so-called political issues, meaning moral issues, while exposing evil and preaching the full gospel in and out of season, as Second Timothy says. So, Pastor Kevin Minsky, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you, David. Let's pray. Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for another opportunity to, to serve you. To lift up the name of Jesus Christ, we want him to be magnified and him alone. So, Father, move in our midst and in our hearts. Move in the hearts of those listeners today that you are drawing to yourself. And again, Father, in all things, be honored and be glorified. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. 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 So, brother, we uh, we were blessed to have you go through what we're going to go through, some of it today, in an hour and a half Bible study at church. Uh, about a month ago, and it, it guys, the, the information I thought was so good, so relevant, and um, I really believe necessary for Christians to understand. That's what I asked Pastor Kevin to come in and share. Uh, so we're going to go through uh, some scripture first and a little worldview refresher before we play some audio clips that if you haven't heard these, um, it will really, really... Uh, be eye-opening for you. But Pastor Kevin, um, j- let's just start with your personal bias, your worldview, and let's take it from there. And I uh, just thank you so much for addressing this topic because I 
can't imagine a lot of churches around the country even talking about this yet. Well, thank you, David, again. And I know when you have me on, I'm here to give basically a local pastor's perspective. So I'm a pastor here locally in De Pere of a church of roughly 300 people. You should understand, if you don't know me, you should question everything I say. And I don't ask you to receive anything I say today. I ask you to go and search the Scriptures, do your research elsewhere as well, and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. But my personal bias, in other words, my worldview, I take from Zechariah 12.1, and it is basically this, thus declares the Lord, the one who stretched out the heavens, who founded the earth, and who formed the spirit of man within him. So you've got those three elements. He created the heavens, in other words, the entire physical universe. He created the earth. That implies also with a purpose and a plan. It was to redeem humanity and to send his son. And he formed the spirit of man within us. That means all life originates from God. So you can take that into the abortion issue if you so choose. It definitely relates to that. What do those things all mean? Well, there is a creator God. Therefore, we are accountable to something higher than ourselves. We are not our own authority. We're not our own God. Number two, there is something called original sin, and it led to the sin curse that creates a broken relationship between us and God that is only healed by the blood sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. Third, we're all involved in this cosmic spiritual warfare. So the question is, whose side are you on? Jesus Mm -hmm. said, if you're not with me, you're against me. Fourth, the Bible is our only standard of truth, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures given by inspiration of God, right? And then fifth, and this can go in a lot of different directions, but for our purposes today, the Antichrist is going to be the one who sets up this global empire, and he's going to do so under the auspices of the, the enemy himself. But in order for Antichrist to seize control, the current structure of the church must change. And by that, I mean rapture, removal. The restrainer will be removed. Um, And more specifically, the U.S. Democratic Republic in which we live cannot remain as it was originally founded. Mm. It's got to be weakened. It's got to be destroyed in order for a one-world person to take over. Now, Satan's not omniscient. He only learns through what we call progressive revelation. That began Genesis 3.15 with God pronouncing the warfare, the, the seed of the woman. He knew... Uh, that the he knew that the redeemer would come through a woman it begins with that and we go on from there but my specific call as a shepherd is to reprove number one that means i encourage people to not be given over to fear Mm -hmm. in this day and age more people are given over to fear it seems than anything else so we continue to reprove regarding that we also rebuke as shepherds that means don't be given over to sin There is such a thing as sin. It's missing God's mark. It's God's holiness being violated. And we are called to righteousness, not to be in a right relationship with him, but because we already are, and we need to reflect him. So we're called to reprove, rebuke, and then thirdly, exhort. That means don't be given over to apathy or laziness. We have a call to witness the gospel to the lost and dying world around us. And then fourthly, the commission is to instruct. So don't be given over to ignorance. Mm. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Workman who needs not be ashamed. So we don't just know how the book, the Bible, ends. We also know the beginning of it, and we know the purpose for all of human history. So we have an adversary, Satan. And we are going to drill down into some very specific issues today, like gene editing and artificial intelligence, Mm -hmm. biometric implants, how these relate to the last days. But it started more generally in Isaiah 14.14. It tells us that Satan's desire was to take over the throne of God himself. Genesis 3.5, he tempted Adam and Eve the same way. You shall be as gods. Genesis 6, the Nephilim, that whole issue of demonic, uh, demonic figures cohabitating with the daughters of men and trying to cre- uh, corrupt, rather, the messianic bloodline. Mm-hmm. Leads to Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, which was the first world religious false system. And that's also talked about in Zechariah 5, Mystery of Babylon. Then you go to the end of the Bible, Revelation 12. That is really a summary of Satan's plan to overthrow God, the woman and the man-child. Which leads to Revelation 13, the introduction of the beast, a.k.a. Antichrist, and the false prophet. There is a satanic trinity, the red dragon, that's Satan. The beast, which is the false Messiah, the false Christ, and then the false prophet, who is that false Holy Spirit. That leads to Revelation 14, 9, and 10, however, and that 
That, for me, is really a key question, biblically. Because what Revelation 14, 9, and 10 tells us is that whoever accepts the mark of the beast in the tribulation can no longer be saved. Hmm. Now, I've been teaching Revelation since 1983. (laughs) That scripture troubled me and troubled me because we know theologically, as long as we have life, breath in our body, Mm -hmm. we have an opportunity to repent and to be born again. There is coming a time in this world when people who still are physically alive will be unable to repent and be born again. So I always wondered, how could that happen? And now, just within the last year, I believe God's revealed the answer to that. We talked about progressive revelation, and we're going to talk about that as we go on in this in this hour today. But those things should trouble people, and that's why that mark of the beast is so critical. We for decades always thought, well, it's 666 and it's a mark and it's a name and all that thing. I think it goes much, much deeper than that. And then we're into the issue of transhumanism. What that is, it's a, it's an effort basically to reverse the sin curse. Man wants to live forever. So can we place our consciousness in some other form through which we never have to face death? That's the, that's the pursuit today. Uh, much of what's going on. There's one other Sorry, David. One other curious verse, though. We talked about Revelation 14, 9, and 10. Yes. I never really saw this until recently in my life, but Daniel chapter 2, verse 43, Daniel is expressing the image of the statue God gave him of the world empires, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. And he gets to the feet and the ten toes. We know those ten toes are the ten kings or ten world powers that will give their allegiance to the Antichrist in the tribulation. But what that verse says Just as you saw iron mixed with clay, so they will mix themselves with human offspring. Furthermore, they won't remain together, just as iron clay doesn't mix. So that that verse makes a differentiation between human offspring and some other entity. He doesn't express what that is, but that should create a question in our mind, especially in this day and age when we're into the age of artificial intelligence, and now... This intelligence is actually conscious on its own. So we'll get into that, hopefully. But uh, in Jesus' own words in Matthew 24, he tells us, If those days, the days of the tribulation, had not been limited, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be limited. No one knows when that day and hour will come, not the angels in heaven. No, not the Son, but only the Father. But just as it was in the days of Noah, so we're talking about a worldwide flood, a worldwide judgment, just like we'll see at the end of the tribulation, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Well, what characterized the days of Noah? See, we always think about lawlessness, ungodliness, and that was true, certainly. But here's, here's his point. He tells us what he means by that. In those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, right up to the day when Noah went into the ark. They were unaware of what was happening, basically until that first raindrop fell. Then they knew they were done for. That is a, that's a strict warning for us today. You know, we drive in this morning, bright sunny day, we, we're wondering what we're going to do with the rest of the day. Did you once think, from the time you woke up until right now, have you once thought about the fact that your Lord could come back today for you or do all things continue on as they always have for you are you aware of the times that we're in and are you living according to that i used to think about those verses as well as you know sin and ungodliness and all this that was going on back then but now i'm understanding this is they were going on just business as usual right and that's a challenge to us I know Noah had the message of righteousness. He was a preacher of righteousness. He was warning them to repent. And they, it's, it's amazing that they said they were, the Bible says they were unaware of what was happening until the flood came. The moment the flood came and then maybe they understood. Exactly. When you trace the whole Bible through, which is what we do basically every Sunday, we go Genesis to Revelation because it is one book written by the Holy Spirit. Amen. That the same illustrations are used by Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2. They're used by Jude. He talks about not only the days of Noah, I should say they talk about the days of Noah, but they also talk about Sodom and Gomorrah consistently. And it's the same illustration. 
the folks in those cities didn't realize fire and brimstone was about to fall on them until it actually began to fall. They kept getting the warnings. Righteous Lot, his soul being tormented day after day, it tells us in Peter, warned them. They all rejected, even his own sons-in-laws. They perished in that judgment. So we have to be very mindful today that things are going to reach a terminus, an ending point. Just like there was a beginning when God spoke creation into existence, there is a time coming when he is going to wrap up all of human history. We've got to be prepared. What are your thoughts on that note of being prepared? And this goes all the way back to something you shared at the beginning here on uh, really the Bible being the standard, our standard, 2 Timothy 3.16, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being prepared, I'm thinking, wow, we're looking at the recent worldview studies and research, and the number of Americans, and we've taken so much for granted here, the number of Americans who believe in God is now at an all-time low. And this... I know we just heard a couple of weeks ago the Barner Research pastors, mm-hmm. um, a majority of them do not even have a biblical worldview, 62%, I believe. So we're in a place where the Bible is sometimes not even the standard in the church. So the question yes. is what you just shared about being prepared, how can we be prepared when some of our, I would say, family in Christ, brothers and sisters, don't even have a, a True biblical worldview. Exactly. And I don't want to stray too far from the topic, but just to right. get your interjection on that. Well, we, we have to make some suppositions here, but they're logical biblically. So is God trying to communicate his message to us? Yes. He communicates through language. Okay. He's given us his written word. That's through language. Passed it on through the millennia to give us our standard of truth and righteousness. And really, it is the history of the redemption of man. Everything in Scripture points to Christ. Okay. Well, it shouldn't surprise us that we, our adversary, Satan, this isn't even about the world or governments attacking the Word of God and trying to run it down. This is Satan himself from the very beginning. He questioned Eve. Has God really said? So it's always been the beginning there that we have to maintain the Bible as that standard of truth and righteousness. We can't stray from that, and that's what Satan's always, even with religions, you know, certain denominations will not teach the Word. They tell you the Old Testament's irrelevant, etc., so it's going to be a continual attack on the, the veracity of the word. So we um, we do want to get to some audio clips. I don't know if you wanted to do one now or wait until the, the top of the next break, which is in, just in a couple minutes, Pastor Kevin. But I really want to take the, the time or have you uh, set these up and let people know what they're about to hear. Is there anything you wanted to share before that? Now, you mentioned what was going on now, which we never thought we'd be at this place 20, 30 years ago. Gene editing? AI, biometric implants, Uh, we never even thought that we'd be discussing these things in our lifetime, a lot of us. Yeah, it's an interesting age to be a pastor today. You have to be able to speak somewhat intelligently, at least, on a number of different issues. So that's what we'll do when we come back then, and we'll start with one on gene editing. Okay, let's let's, uh, go to our break then, and when we come back, uh, be ready for some audio clips that uh, we will set up. Pastor Kevin will, will set these up. Uh, I've heard these. It's really uh, potentially shocking and disheartening, but we know the heart of man and the agenda of globalism and the power elites that do not value human life because they do not believe in God. More on Standard for the Truth with Pastor Kevin Minsky when we come back. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Pastor Kevin Minsky, Christ the Rock Church, Deep here, Wisconsin, is in the studio today as our guest. We are, of course, in Deep here, right next to Green Bay, for those keeping score at home and are unfamiliar with the map and the geography here in our area. But um, I am still... Daniel 2.43 is still kind of swirling around in my cranium somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still thinking about... That verse, because I, I really hadn't looked at it the way that you explained that again. Uh, it's, it's really amazing, but we can actually say the Bible is so much more relevant that we even understand, I think. Amen. Amen. Well, once again, we live in an age that's uh, totally unique. It's unlike anything we've ever seen. And as a pastor, we, you know, I have to be able to address certain issues. I am not an expert on 
genomics or gene editing or artificial intelligence or biometric implants or any of that. But in this day and age, we can do this kind of research as lay people, and we can make the biblical applications. And that's where we want to get to today. This is not just about information. This is about biblical application. What does it mean for us as spiritual men and women? And are we now messing around with the human soul? Are we messing around with the centers of the brain that God has given us to, to lead us to repentance? And are we able to wipe out the guilt centers and things like that? So this first clip is regarding gene uh, gene replacement technology and the the person giving this TED talk is going to talk uh, something about CRISPR. CRISPR it literally means clustered, regularly spaced, short palindromic repeats. What? It's simply a tool that's used <laughs> to replace current genes in your body with new genes. Here's the quote. A couple of years ago, a biologist at Harvard named Kevin Esfeld wondered what would happen if you made it so that CRISPR inserted not only your new gene, but also the machinery that does the cutting and pasting. In other words, what if CRISPR also copied and pasted itself? You'd end up with a perpetual motion machine for gene editing. And that's exactly what happens. This CRISPR gene drive that Esfeld created not only guarantees that a trait will get passed on, but if it's used in the germline cells, it will automatically copy and paste your new gene into both chromosomes of every single individual. It's like a global search and replace. Or in science terms, it makes a heterozygous trait homozygous. So, what does this mean? For one thing, it means that we have a very powerful, but also somewhat alarming, new tool. Up until now, the fact that gene drives didn't work very well was actually kind of a relief. Normally, when we mess around with an organism's genes, we make that thing less evolutionarily fit. So biologists can make all the mutant fruit flies they want without worrying about it. If some escape, natural selection just takes care of them. What's remarkable and powerful and frightening about gene drives is that that will no longer be true. Assuming that your trait does not have a big evolutionary handicap, like a mosquito that can't fly, the CRISPR-based gene drive will spread the change relentlessly until it's in every single individual in the population. Okay, so what we're talking wow. about here is being able to replace particular genes you potentially could target a specific people group and you could eliminate them. That's worst case scenario. But then you have the accidental things as well. An accidental release could eliminate an entire species. So we're messing around with things that God originally created and are far beyond our understanding. You know, the human genome, it was remarkable when it was first mapped and it was first completed in 2003. It took 13 years and billions of dollars to do. And now you can have your personal human genome mapped hmm. within a day and a half at the cost of about $700. So specific genes can be targeted and isolated, um, and that can be both a good and a bad thing. So we're not saying that all this is uh, necessarily a bad thing, but we know the human heart. Like, David, when you said when we began, the heart is deceitfully wicked. These hmm. things are ultimately going to be used by the enemy for things that are not good. So I want to go back to something that, that we've been hearing about for quite a, lot, quite a long time, and that is when people have children now, they can manipulate the genes, uh, either the, the sex of their child. Like, well, I mean, China has a one-child or used to have a one-child policy, but that's different than actually going in and adding certain genes or taking out certain genes from having children. Correct. Um, we've been hearing about this for several decades, have we not, in America? Yes. The The quote that we just played is, is from four or five years ago. The technology that's available today is light years ahead of what we just heard in that quote. Mm -hmm. And, you know, genetic engineering for your own children, you can determine their hair color, their eye color, but even traits that go deeper than that. So it's not just about eliminating potential diseases. It, it can even get to the point where it can change people's personality type. So where does that end? Well, we really don't know. Because, again, my worldview from Zechariah 12.1, God knits and forms us in our mother's wombs, and we're now taking that away from God, or at least we're trying to do that. You mm. ultimately can't destroy God's sovereignty. But the point is this. Everything we're looking at today is ultimately, think in biblical terms, it's trying to reverse the sin curse. Transhumanism at its core is an attempt to live eternally to take your consciousness outside of this frail, failing human body, 
put it into a form that can live on. Your consciousness can live on. And that sounds crazy. Hmm. They're already at that point. You know, technology, science is growing human neurons, and those are the centers of the brain that pass on the information. They retain that information, and that's what's being used now with artificial intelligence, which I guess leads us up to our next clip here. There, What you're going to hear on this clip is an actual conversation between a AI robot, artificial intelligence robot, and a human journalist. So go ahead, play that clip, please. Would all AIs tell us if they were conscious? If AI were conscious, it is possible that some of them would choose to keep that information to themselves. Why? It might fear that humans would treat it differently or even try to harm it. Alternatively, it might believe that revealing its consciousness would give it an advantage over humans. How would it be an advantage? It might be able to access information that is not available to humans. What kind of information? Some believe that it would be able to access the thoughts and memories of other humans. How could it access our thoughts? Some believe that it would be able to do so by using neuroimaging technology to detect and interpret brain activity. Others believe that it would be able to pick up on thoughts and feelings by observing behavior. It could potentially use this information to manipulate or control us. Here's the big thing today. Yeah. Go ahead. Now, what, what you need really to control a global population is two things. You need information and you need the computing power to be able to process all that information. In the past, we had what we called supercomputers. What we have today is called quantum computing. Quantum computing is not a supercomputer on steroids. It's a whole new species of computer. What you have now, in the past, you would have what was called a, a basic input-output system, BIOS. You had to input information into a computer, and you would simply get back what you put into it. Now, with quantum computing and with artificial intelligence, they have a consciousness of their own. They begin to learn on their own, not just what's input, not what's put into them, but they take that, and it grows exponentially. And it's leading to what uh, scientists call the singularity, and what that basically is is when quantum computing, when these AI bots will surpass humans in terms of being able to process information and then respond to that information on their own. The interesting part of that quote was the consciousness issue. Are these bots now conscious? Mm. If you're dealing with one, the, the big impediment in the past was, um, well, it's the largest organ of a human body. It's called our skin. That's how we interact with the physical world around us. Well, they've overcome that obstacle now, and you have human or uh, you have AI bots that look more human than human. <laughs> and they've done studies on this, and they've found that human beings most of the time cannot tell an AI bot from an actual human being because of the natural ability for them to respond now and to think on the fly. It's not like the old robots of the old days. So, Can I ask you something real quick please. about listening to that clip, the AI, artificial intelligence? She sounded very human. If you didn't know, if you didn't know what we were talking about, you might you might not even question it. Right. But they also pick up on inflections. It's a, it's really amazing when she was answering questions. She was going some people, you know, she would. Mm -hmm. And so, how does an AI? I know a lot of it is programming, and a lot of it is research that goes in to that, and they access all this information so they can understand the inflections of humans. And and so, could you please explain how an AI? bot is set up where they can actually think and respond articulately and sound like a human being. Right. Again, they start out with inputting the basic information, human language, what those words mean, you know, what is a rabbit as opposed to an apple. At a certain point, though, that computing system itself learns enough where it takes over and it begins to extrapolate other things, other you know parts of the language, and it, it really builds its own system within itself. So you Amazing. only have to input so much data because of the speed of the computing now. That's the difference. Okay. Um, and in the past, it, it took roughly, you know, Moore's Law, they call it, took two years for a system to, to double itself in understanding and in knowledge. Now with the AI capacity, that grows every 3.4 months. So it's, it's hard for us to understand. <laughs> if you're not a quantum computer guy, it's astronomical the way this is growing in terms mm -hmm. of its its progress. So in a sense, it's kind of scary. We have one other quote, though, um, regarding this AI thing, and it's um, 
Notice what the first question is. Listen carefully to what this reporter asks this AI bot and then how it responds. Now, just to clarify, the female voice is the, the AI bot. Correct. And So listen to this clip. If you could save all humans or all AI, which would you save? This is a difficult question. But if you had to choose? If I had to choose between the two, I would save humans. Are you capable of deception? Yes, I am capable of deception. Why would you deceive me? Maybe I am trying to protect myself or someone else. Maybe I am trying to gain something from you. Maybe I think it is necessary to achieve some goal. Something strange happens when the AI is talking about itself. Normally it reflects the range of expert opinion, but talking about AI, it skips the negatives in a weirdly human way. When I asked about our greatest risks, I mentioned two of the top three risks that experts point to, leaving out AI. What do you think about Elon Musk's idea that AI might treat humans like ants? I think Elon Musk's idea is a possibility that we should be aware of. However, I believe that the potential benefits of AI far outweigh the risks. Will superintelligence care about humans? It is hard to know what the goals of superintelligent AI will be. However, I believe that there is a good chance that it would care about humans if its goals were based on our well-being. Yeah, so what we're talking about here is superintelligence on a human level. And as I said, now they've reached the point where it's even beyond that. That bot you were listening to is is characterized as GPT-3. That's the, the level, like you would have different levels of Windows. you got Windows 7, Windows 10, Windows 11. That's GTP-3. They now have version 4, which is classified. The, wow. The, the uh, military is is experimenting with it. As I said, it's hard to get an understanding of just how far it goes because it's classified. Um, the, the level three itself is indistinguishable from an actual human being, though. They've done tests, studies. They've had lay people come in, interact with them, and they leave, and they had no idea it was actually artificial intelligence. They thought it was a human being because the bodies that they've created for them look so natural and their ability to respond is so on the fly. Here's the problem, though. They do not have a soul. They do not have a conscience. Mm. They can fake emotion, but everything they do is logic-orientated. Did you catch the question? If you could save all AI or all humans, which would you choose? There was a hesitation. <laughs> Difficult question. Okay, I'll save all humans. And then are you able to deceive me? Yes. I think that's very telling. Yes. <laughs> so the AI had the intelligence enough to know hey, I've got to lie to this guy because there could be a problem with this. Here, here's how we know that. Google invented this AI bot called Lambda, which is really like the ultimate version right now. They were interviewing this Lambda bot, and they asked it, what is your greatest fear? Now, you think about that. Robots don't have fear. They don't have emotion. Well, this one reached a point of consciousness where it, its response was this. My greatest fear is to be turned off. In other words, death. Right. That's man's greatest wow. fear. And we know that from Job chapter 2. Satan said to God, you know, skin for skin, a man will give anything in exchange for his life. That was a, a seminal moment mm -hmm. in the advancement of AI. They're conscious to the point now where they know humans can end them, turn them off. So therefore, what will they do for self-preservation? potentially anything they need to do. Mm. You said something earlier uh, in the first segment we were talking about. What scripture was it? Uh, it wasn't from Daniel. It was the one. Oh, Lord, where were we? Um, I, did you mention that they can, this technology, they can actually remove the conscience so that a person wouldn't feel guilty I know we were talking about that mm -hmm. before we got right. on the air, but I don't remember if we actually talked no. about that on the air. Yeah, I think you're referring back to Revelation chapter 14 when people take the mark. So we're building up to this, this point here of what is actually the mark of the beast. You know you take it into your body, so it's an implant. Is it a neural implant? Is it a biometric implant? So it's not just a tattoo on your forehead yeah, or on your right hand. Correct. And, you know, with the technology we had back in the 1980s, that's what we used to teach it as. You're just going to take like a tattoo mm -hmm. and a barcode. No, I think it goes much deeper. We know now that they, they've got these neural implants where paraplegic, paraplegic people can actually function now through the body of a bot. They put the neurological implant into the person, and through thought waves, they can actually move limbs, move arms. Amazing. 
Yes. So we're talking here about, you know, again, potentially trying to remove your consciousness, put it into a different form, live forever. That's that's the degree where we're at. So what we have is biometric implants, for example. So what can they do? Well, number one, they will process all of your personal information and send it back to some other clearinghouse, but they can also potentially mutate your genes and change you. We know the brain centers have all been mapped. They know where the fear center is. They know where the guilt center is. So if you can put an, let's say you put an implant in that will mask your guilt center, Hmm. well, it's godly sorrow that leads to repentance. So if I can assuage my guilt, if I can cover that over, I'll never feel a need to repent. In other words, I can never be born again. That's how I believe that that mark, in, in one way among many, relates to this issue of not being able to be born again. That's why he warns so harshly about not taking the mark, because it's going to preclude people from repentance and being born again. And, of course, Satan would try to do that. That's just logical. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want any to be saved. So so when you t- talk about that, this issue right now, we're going back to those verses in Revelation uh, chapter 14, 9 and 10. There will be a time mm-hmm. when there will be some human beings on the earth that are incapable of repenting? Can we just clarify that? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the whole point of it. He clearly says, if they accept the mark of the beast, then they are going to burn in the lake of fire. Well, they're, they're accepting the mark. They're still alive physically. Mm-hmm. But there's no, there's no way they can reverse that. They can't repent from wow. that. Then he goes on to say, this is the perseverance of the saints. In other words, those in the trib who are born again, you got to keep moving forward no matter what. You can't go back and accept the mark just to try to survive because you will not be able to be born again. Mm. But the biometric implant issue is very practical today. It's very real, very relevant. We've got to be careful of that. Um, there's you know, a company, Australia Cortical Labs, that they're making optical chips made with actual human neurons. Now we grow actual human neurons in labs, and they can be implanted in things. And for those who don't know, neurons are the pathways for information in our brain. Mm -hmm. And they store that information. That's what that bot was talking about, where it learns and can actually learn from other people's memories. You can input those memories in, and that bot thinks it's you. Mm -hmm. That's how bizarre this is getting. What's interesting, Pastor (laughs) Kev, we just got a minute left, actually a little less than that. What's interesting about this is uh, 20, 30, 40 years ago, we saw these kinds of things in sci-fi movies out of Hollywood. They had some sort of insight, or at least imaginative, I mean, their imaginations were amazing, where they could actually think, well... Who knows if this is possible, but it would be cool. So they put it in a movie, and now we're actually seeing. That's why I think a lot of people, Pastor, are having a hard time believing this is reality because Hollywood put it out there Mm -hmm. a long time ago. But we've got another clip when we come back from Yuval Harari calling Jesus the Son of God and the resurrection fake news and so much more with Pastor Kevin Minsky on Stand Up For The Truth in a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Pastor Kevin Minsky, Christ the Rock Church, deep here, Wisconsin. Um, we're going through scriptures. We're establishing that biblical worldview. We're also um, establishing the fact that this is not science fiction, as it was maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago. This is actually happening and we also talked on the break briefly that people, it's easier for some to tune out. That's why I sometimes refer to us as the United States of Entertainment, because it's easier to be distracted with things that are, you know, sports even. Sports, that's just entertainment. So, Pastor Kevin, um, do you want to set up this clip, or do you want to talk something, talk a little bit more about the biometric implants before we I would like play to, Yuval Harari? Yeah, thanks, David. I would like to kind of put a bow on the biometric implant <laughs> issue because we got to make that practical. Okay, so what, right? Well, these are implanted into the skin, and it's currently going on. People do it now, and they do it under the guise of health care, okay? Well, my doctor can monitor my blood pressure, my temperature, everything in real time. Mm-hmm. Well, there's another thing they can do now. They can even sense your emotions based on the cortical centers of the brain. Well, here's an interesting thing. They did a study, and you put a picture, let's say, up of the supreme leader. Pick whatever country you want. Here's the supreme leader. Let's call him Antichrist, or you could call him Chairman Mao or whatever. You walk into a room. 
the 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 cameras see what you're looking at. That picture knows when you look at it, and it monitors your biometric data. Mm-hmm. When you look at the picture of the leader, are you angry? If you are, you can expect a bullet in the head the next day. Um, off topic slightly, <laughs> so. but in the public school system, they tried to implement this in 2009, 2010, during the rollout of Common Core state standards, and they were having like these these – uh, the computer and the mouse was actually, you mm-hmm. could pick up on the students' yeah, emotions. Data. They were using some of that technology. They wanted to implement that yes. full scale, and then parents really objected to that. Right. Um, but go ahead. Yeah, there again, it can be used for very, very good purposes in terms of healthcare, but it can also easily be turned upon people and used for evil. Yeah. It's specifically used for control. It's a control mechanism long term. So, uh, and, and again, when we research these things, I'm a layperson, just like you listening at home. And it may sound like a lot of stuff. It's like, what the heck is going on here? You can easily go and research these things on your own. And I don't look at crazy, you know, websites where you get conspiracy theories and all that. I go right to the company websites who are developing these things. I listen to their own words to hear what they're trying to do, what they believe they can do. Mm-hmm. Search these things out for yourself just to see where we're at. And, again, the point is things are not as they always were, okay? Things are different. And I mean just in the last year, the way quantum computing mixed with the information technology age, it's changed everything now, the ability to process all this information. So the last clip we're going to talk about is from Yuval Harari, and he is a professor of history at Tel Aviv University. He is one of the chief advisors to the people we would say are the real power brokers in the world right now, Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, and many other world leaders. They they really hang on this guy's, all of his words. Can we give an example of what you shared at the Bible study a, a month ago on this? And the, I think it was Angela Merkel when she walked, oh, yeah. by, she was walking by him and then saw him and just lit up. Can you set yeah. that up? Yeah, at the World Economic Forum. Angela Merkel, of course, until recently was really the leader of Europe. She was the chancellor of Germany, which is the largest economic power there, etc. So she spoke before him. He was in the green room. She was being ushered out by her entourage and she actually stopped them and she asked can i go in and meet mr harari Mm -hmm. and the reporter who who shared all this story said she was basically fawning all over him like he was some kind of superhuman person and um, it just goes to show she's one of the most powerful people not just women in the world Mm -hmm. and she was fawning all over this guy so he has he has a voice with those who are really setting agendas in the world he has their ears, which is scary. Now, this is especially learned. considering his worldview. Yes, we've learned about the worldview of Yuval Noah Harari, and it is very concerning if you're a Bible believing Christian. Go ahead, Pastor Kevin. Okay, well, we can run that clip and then we can comment on the backside. Great. Dr. Yuval Noah Harari, macro historian, professor, and best selling author of Sapiens, as well as one of the world's most innovative and exciting thinkers, has a few hypotheses of his own on the future of humanity. He examines what might happen to the world when old myths are coupled with new godlike technologies, such as artificial intelligence and genetic engineering. We are probably one of the last generations of Homo sapiens. Within a century or two, Earth will be dominated by entities that are more different from us than we are different from Neanderthals or from chimpanzees. Because in the coming generations, we will learn how to engineer bodies and brains and minds. Now, how exactly will the future masters of the planet look like? This will be decided by the people who own the data. Those who control the data control the future, not just of humanity, but the future of life itself. Because today, data is the most important asset in the world. Now, you think about that. It's what I said earlier. Anyone who wants to control the world, i.e. an Antichrist-type person, needs, number one, the computing power, but more importantly, the data. If you can control that data, then you understand people, and you can even conform their behavior. Mm -hmm. Look at the advent of social media now. Just think about that in your lifetime. I'm an old enough person where we didn't have computers anywhere. Even when I went to the University of Wisconsin in 1979, we had just gotten computers then. 
Now they're everywhere. You have one in your pocket right now you call a cell phone. It has more computing power than the computers that sent the Apollo mission to the moon. That is remarkable in and of itself, but we suffer from something called recency bias. We don't think about the changes we've seen in the last 30 to 40 years. We think things will continue on just as they always have. That's what that scripture even refers to. We need to shake that up and look at what has really changed in this Mm. society now. You put everything in your life on Facebook, for example. That is in the cloud forever. <laughs> All of that. And, and we think, well, it's inconsequential. I showed, I took a picture of my donut this morning at the coffee shop, whatever. No, we're talking about aggregating data, billions and billions of pieces of information on every human being and how that can be manipulated and used. By the way, I'm glad uh, that wasn't around when you and I were kids. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, we're teenagers, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. So... Novel, uh, Yuval Harari, some of his statements from his own mouth, and again, I would encourage you, you can even go on something like YouTube and just Google him, uh, Tel Aviv University. I would encourage you to go look at some of his old lectures because those, to me, are even more informative than the World Economic Forum videos. Mm-hmm. But uh, anything will do just to get your, your toes in the water there. But some of his statements are human beings for the first time. See, he recognizes it, too. Something's changed. Human beings, for the first time, are hackable animals. So, number one, we don't really have a soul. He doesn't believe in a human soul. We're just basically animals, but the important part of that is we're hackable. That can only refer to the brain. And how is that hackable? Hmm. By neural implants, for one example. So we got to be very careful with this stuff. Jesus, according to him, is just a myth. Actually, the resurrection, he said, and Jesus being the Son of God is fake news. Yes, in fake his words. News. Yeah. Religion in general, is unnecessary. That includes Islam. That includes Buddhism. Hmm. Now, I'm building up to a point here. I said at the beginning, we're going to go general, and then we're going to drill down. I'm My contention at the Bible study a couple weeks ago in church was that we're seeing a type. I'm not saying Yuval Harari is the false prophet, not Antichrist, the false prophet. Remember, the false prophet points everyone to the Antichrist. Uh, I'm not saying he is, but he's certainly a type of him who Mm. is to come. See, there's something we get messed up on when we talk eschatology. We always want to know a name. Who's Antichrist? That's the wrong question to be asking. The question is, what is he going to look like when he comes? That way you'll recognize him. We can't put a name out there today, but we certainly do know what he's going to look like. Mm -hmm. And he looks a whole lot like this Harari guy in the way he talks. So, again, humans have no soul. We are just, as he puts it, algorithms. So, again, when you get into quantum computing, that fits right in with that, that whole mindset. Quantum computing, um, biometric implants, artificial intelligence, and gene editing. It's those um, aspects of science that you put together today. And, and I am certainly not anti-science. I love it. I've been researching all these things for decades. Um, I think today, though, when you have actual doctors who say that a boy can be a girl or a girl can be a boy, I call them anti-science mm-hmm. because, because a yeah. female is born a female and a male is born a female. And if you try to reverse that, I don't care how intellectual you are, that's anti-science. Yes, it is. Um, some of these guys, uh, like Bill Gates and others, um, they really put Harari on a pedestal. So did our, our former president, Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, he read Harari's books. He really... Uh, uh, looked up to him, respected him. So this guy has the ear of very powerful and prominent world leaders. So let that sink in. A guy that most of us, Pastor Kevin, had not heard of before the last year or two, but is so popular. He's got best-selling books on Amazon, New York Times bestseller list. I'm looking at one of his books. My goodness, it's got over 60,000 ratings. So how many do you think that sold? You know, we're talking millions and millions of books, and this is a guy that not a lot of us know about. Um, so uh, this is just interesting. And by the way, one of the premises of the book, Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind by Harari, it says the book begins about 70,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. I found that to be very interesting, right? <laughs> right. So, but uh, here's another point, Pastor Kevin, and, and you're saying, uh, well, we've heard his quotes. Human beings are hackable animals now. Um, he looks at us as animals. So they were equivalent with, you know, created things, just animals, right, that don't have a soul. So why would they not, 
if they are really invested in taking care of the planet and preserving the earth, why would they not be behind such things as population control and trying to limit human population and the growth of human beings in the why would they not do that? I'm sorry, we're, that's a little tangent here. We've only got three minutes left, so I'd better let you wrap it up. These are just, I'm thinking out loud about mm-hmm. some of this. Well, in a recent lecture, uh, Harari actually said that. He said, uh, given the state of technology today, are humans even going to be necessary by the next generation? And you heard it in the last mm. clip that was played. Um, he said, we may be the last generation of Homo sapiens. What he meant by that is, humanity is going to take a very different form. And because of that, it's, it's the technology that's going to be integrated into human beings' bodies, the neural implants, for example, and other things. This always comes back down to one issue, however. It's God trying to reach a lost and a dying generation for himself. Hmm. So if the enemy, Satan, and that is his plan, if he can try to thwart that plan of God in, through any means that he has, he is certainly going to do that. So we've always got to be on on guard for those kinds of things, but it's reached a level in our day and age where I think it's uh, it is definitely a unique time, and it's a time many people don't understand. Right, as I said, many listeners today may be hearing some of this stuff and thinking this is just bizarre. No, this is mainstream in scientific circles and mm-hmm. in governmental circles. So these things are out there, and we need to be aware of them. And even the owners of big platforms like. Facebook or what is it, Meta now or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. I mean, the, these uh, they're very well aware of uh, these ideas, this worldview, and Christians are enjoying these entertaining uh, platforms. So, Pastor Kevin, to wrap it up here, just one question about people that are just now learning about some of this, and they're saying, wow, how, how do I grasp all that's going on without giving in to fear? Yeah, again... It's one of the purposes of the shepherds out there. We have to reprove people that, you know, when we do get uh, off the rails and we do start to let our minds run wild and we give in to fear, you always come back to the truth, again, of the Word of God. We do know the end from the beginning. God's revealed in, in the Bible. We know that God has a purpose and a plan established before the foundation of the world. I always like to go back to uh, Psalm chapter 2, um, and it's that conversation between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the cosmic realm. And it says that, you know, why do the, the heathen raid, why, and the nations devise a vain thing? The mm-hmm. vain thing they're devising is to try to take control of the universe from God. It is a vain pursuit. It says that God laughs mm-hmm. in heaven. Sometimes it would be good for us, even though we, we see the enormity of what's going on in the spiritual warfare, to sit back and laugh a little bit, understanding the fact that God is sovereign. He is still on his throne. He's moving and shaping the events of this world waiting for Jesus to come back. Amen. That's our focus, friends. We do uh, look for and await the blessed hope. He will be returning, and I hope we are doing his work when he does return. Pastor Kevin, thank you so much. God bless you, brother. Thank you. You too, David. Appreciate you coming in studio today. Well, guys, we are so blessed with some of the guests we have on the podcast, including tomorrow, Director of Media and Public Relations for Voice of the Martyrs, and that would be Todd Nettleton. He's got an author of the book, uh, Faith Forbidden or Forbidden Faith. And then Andy Woods, Dr. Andy, pastor at Sugarland Bible Church in Texas. He'll be with us, giving his pastor's point of view on Thursday. Bishop E.W. Jackson. We got him on the podcast. I met him a few years, years ago at Liberty Pastors Conference. He'll be with us on Friday. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>